You're about to listen to Grace Pills by Reverend Josh Lai, lead pastor at Caris Center International. Reverend Josh Lai is a preacher of the gospel of the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen. Father, we thank you once again for the opportunity to share your word. I speak as the oracles of God. I speak with grace that only you, God, supplies. Thank you for clarity of purpose, of thought, of understanding, and of expression. There shall be no contradictions. There shall be no errors. The word of God shall be divided precisely and accurately. In the knowledge of you, there shall be full recognition and full appreciation of all that you have done. In that, you are glorified and we are edified. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, that was wonderful. That's a concise explanation of what I taught last week. And we are continuing from there this week. So, does that mean that all of us now understand? We have full appreciation of of everything, right? Okay. All right. So, accurately divide the word Part two. Faith, healing, and wealth. Part one. Accurately divide the word two. Dash faith, healing, and wealth one. So it was very clear to all of us that the Holy Scriptures from Genesis to Malachi speak concerning Jesus. So they spoke, they wrote, and read about Jesus. Now the four Gospels, like I said, from Matthew to John, we see the eyewitness of his person and works. But then they wrote with a natural Understanding. That's why they all went into flight when he was being crucified. If they had understanding, like you realize how they ended, all of them were martyrs. Yes. How did they stand? Because now they had understanding. Is that very clear? Yes. So the same people who were running away were now giving their lives to be killed. They were no more afraid. Why? Because now they had understanding to the event of his death, burial, and resurrection. Hitherto, they were just giving an eyewitness account without understanding. And like I said, in the Acts of the Apostles, we see the praxis of doctrine 
but with a kind of confusion and no understanding or little understanding, which is what you see when we start talking about spiritual growth from next week Sunday, not this Sunday, next week you would understand. But everything that needs to grow would start as a baby, would start as an infant. So the church started as an infant. So all of them, all of them started as infants. They didn't actually have understanding to whatever was going on. All right. So they need, that's why Peter could boldly say that when you're a newborn baby in the Lord, you desire the sincere milk of the word. Babies drink milk. So in the Acts of the Apostles, we see people with milky teats. All right, yes, trying to divide the word. And that's why they were having problems, you know. But at, if you read from Acts 19 going, they settled. All right, that's when they even stopped baptism and all of those things because now they had full understanding of the scriptures. Praise God in the light of the finished work of Christ. So, like I said, from Roman to Jude, we see the full revelation and explanation of Jesus. And I said that if we're going to have an understanding of the Holy Scriptures, it must come from the epistles, the letters that were written to the churches. Praise God. Oh, praise God. So you can write this down. The Holy Scriptures show us what was foretold. The Holy Scriptures Show us what was foretold. The sufferings of the Christ and to enter his glory. What is the glory? Residing in us. The Holy Scriptures show us what was foretold. The sufferings of the Christ and to enter his glory. What is the glory? Residing in us. Praise God. The four gospels. Show us. The event of what was foretold. The event of what was foretold. The Christ. His words. And his works. The Christ. His words. And his works. Dash. Incarnation. Death. Burial. Resurrection. Ascension. Incarnation, death, burial, resurrection, ascension. The epistles show us the effects of what happened. Who he is. Who we are in him. 
what he left for us. Who he is. Who we are in him. And what he left for us. Praise God. Now. Based on this. We are going to be looking. At certain things that we use as doctrine. And we will see how they apply in the context of how we have divided scripture and whether we are applying them right or wrongly as church. Based on what we know now, that the Bible is divided in four parts. Old Testament, which is the Holy Scriptures, the four Gospels, the Acts of the Apostles, and the Epistles, which is the final revelation where we fully recognize God and we know God, we know who we are in Him. And the inheritance that is for us. Based on this, we're going to look at certain praxis in our faith to see whether doctrinally we are applying them right. Clear. Is that very clear? Yes. So we are going to be looking at our faith regarding to healing and wealth. And that is the main thing. If you look at the charismatic church, these two are very key. Especially when it comes to material wealth or prosperity. Okay. It is the major And then also healing is very important regarding the Christian. How do we have to apply these? How do we, what understanding should we have? And what kind of doctrinal um, position must we have? So when we apply them, we can apply them confidently. Now, why are we doing this? We have a duty to accurately divide the word. Now, I told somebody today that when you go to the ATM machine and you have money in there, it's your money. But there's a way to operate the ATM machine. Just a twist of a button, no matter how much money you have in there, you will not receive it. Why? Is it because you don't have money in there? You do. But what was the problem? You were not operating it right. 
So you see, the problem of the believer is knowledge. So you see, certain times it works. Certain times it doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Because you are not applying it right. Okay? I remember, I, I mean, I don't like ATM cards. I don't like them. But I've had some. <laughs> you know. And I told them they should give me premium. And they said they've given me premium. So, okay. So I went there and I asked my wife to withdraw 5,000. They didn't give her 5,000. Later we found out my card was only to give me 2,000 the whole day. Did I have money in the account? Yes. What was the problem? My card cannot take it based on what my card can give me as in the operations of the bank. In the nature of God and in the light of his redemption, he has his operations. So there are certain things you want to withdraw from him that won't, you won't have. Because, number one, it is not in him. Hey, are you here with me? Or you are not operating it what? Right. Is that very clear? Lord, did you understand that? Did you? So you must be sure as a believer that you know God. You know how God operates. And so when you are withdrawing, you know that it is in him. And it is yours. And you have it. Otherwise, you would have false expectations, false hopes. Why? Because you don't have accurate knowledge about what is in him that is yours. Praise God. And what is in him that is not yours. Ah, is that very clear? Do you get it? Okay. There are two scriptures that are commonly quoted in the epistles. There are two scriptures that are commonly quoted 
in the, this, in the epistles as a fact on these subjects. Yes, on faith, our faith regarding healing and wealth. They are quoted than all other scriptures. And we are going to investigate them carefully. First, Psalm 110, verse 1. Psalm 110, verse 1. The Lord God says to my Lord, the Messiah, sit at my right hand until I make your adversaries your footstool. Now, don't forget that the Old Testament was written in partial revelation. Correct? Oh, is that correct? Let, let's read Hebrews 1, 1 to 2 so that we can clarify that. Then we can go on. In many separate revelations, in many separate revelations, each of which set forth a portion of the truth, so David wrote a portion. Ezekiel wrote a portion. Isaiah wrote a portion. Are you getting the point? Each of the Old Testament prophets wrote a portion of the truth. Which also means that one revelation will be greater or lesser than the other. Clear? Yeah. Now, he also points out that in different ways, God spoke. God spoke. So, God speaks. Praise God. Now, we're going to look at this because you realize that if there was one writer that really dead, dealt with the symbols of the Old Testament, it was Hebrews. True or false? When we talk about symbols, the atonement, the tabernacle, the blood of the goats and all bulls. Oh, hello. Those were the symbols because God spoke in two ways, right? He spoke by word of prophecy and then also through what? The symbols. Clear? Yeah. Now, even the one who said the symbols have to be interpreted, which basically speaks a lot about the high priesthood, of the Christ. Clear? 
Even he said that God spoke. Which tells you that what God speaks is greater than the symbols. And and that's why (laughs) right from Genesis 1, and God said, So, one of the things that must be key in the oppression of the believer is speaking. As a matter of fact, before you entered the faith, you spoke. I receive Jesus as my Savior and Lord. Praise God. True or false? So, We speak. Jesus quoted the scripture. Psalm 110 verse 1. So we are going to look at Jesus quoting the scripture. Matthew 22 verse 42. Saying what do you think of the Christ? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David under the influence of the Holy Spirit Calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I put your enemies under your feet. Hello? It's 22 42 to 44. Let's go to Mark 16 19. Did you see Jesus quoting that? Did you see Mark reporting that? Oh, hello? Okay, Mark 16, 19. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, go ahead. And, and he sat what? Downward. Okay, it's the same scripture. Clear. Sit at my right hand till I, okay. So this will be the fulfillment of Psalm 1, 1. Zero verse what? One. Look at Luke 20. Verse 42. And then Luke 22 verse 69. For David himself says in the book of Psalms, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. 69. 22-69. But hereafter from this time on, the son of man shall be seated at the right hand of the power of God. Clear. Are we clear? Okay. So, he says, so Luke 20, 42, and then 22, 69. All right. Acts 7. Let's all go. But he, full of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm, and controlled by him, now Stephen, gazed into heaven and saw the glory, the splendor and majesty of God, and Jesus standing at God's right hand. And he said, look, I see heaven open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Praise God. Now we're going to go into this later. Why did Stephen say that Jesus was what? Standing and not sitting. We're going to look at it. Let's look at Peter. Peter quoted it. 
Acts 2, 33 to 34. Being therefore lifted high by and to the right hand of God. And having received from the Father the promise, in other words, the blessing which is the Holy Spirit, he has made this outpouring which you yourself both see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, yet he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand and share my throne. Was he quoting David? Psalm 110 verse 1, right? Okay. Acts 5, 31. God exalted him to his right hand to be the prince and leader and savior and deliverer and preserver in order to grant repentance to Israel and bestow forgiveness and to release from sins. Hello? Okay. First Peter 3, 22. And he has now entered into heaven and is at the right hand of God with all angels and authorities and powers made subservient to him. Praise God. Okay. Paul. Paul. Romans 8.34 Who is there to condemn us? Will Christ Jesus, the Messiah who died, or rather, he who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God, actually pleading as he intercedes for us. Praise God. Ephesians 1.20 which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Hello? Okay. Ephesians 2.5 Even when we were dead, slain by our own shortcomings and trespasses, he made us alive together in fellowship and in union with Christ. He gave us the very life of Christ himself and the same new life with which he quickened him. It is by grace, his favor, mercy, that we are saved. And that you are saved and delivered from judgment, made partakers of Christ's salvation. Praise God. All right, so alive together and fellowship in union with Christ, and then we being partakers of him, he's actually referring to we sitting at his what? Right hand. Philippians 2, 9. Therefore, because he stooped so low, God has highly exalted him and has freely bestowed on him the name that is above every name. Oh, hello. Good. Colossians 3.1. If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, that sharing has a resurrection from the dead, aim at and seek the rich eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 to 25. After that comes the end, completion, 
where he delivers over the kingdom of God the Father after rendering inoperative and abolishing every other rule and every authority and power. For Christ must be king and reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. Praise God. All right. Let's look at the Hebrew writer. Can you see that? that I mean, can you see Psalm 110 verse 1 featuring right from the Gospels? Can you see that? Through to Acts. Through to the epistles. Okay? Yes. In, 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 in the uh, four Gospels, you see that it was in the future tense. <laughs> Hello? Yes. Because it was to be fulfilled. And then you see that in Acts, Peter was speaking as it has been what? Fulfilled. Now in the epistles, he said that is the state. Praise God. Are, are you getting it? Don't worry. Look at the Hebrew writer. Hebrews 1.3. He's the sole expression of the glory of God. The light being and the outraying or radiance of the divine. He is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature. And upholding and maintaining and guiding, propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. When he had by offering himself accomplished our cleansing of sin, redance of guilt, he sat down, he sat down at the right hand of the divine majesty on high. Hebrews 1.13 Besides to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand, associated with me in my royal dignity, till I make your enemies a footstool, a stool for your feet. Praise God. Hebrews 8.1 Now the main point of what we have to say is this. We have such a high priest. One who is seated at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. Oh, praise God. So this has to do with the high priest ministry, okay? Of, of Jesus at the right hand. Hebrews 10, 12. Whereas this one Christ, after he had offered a single sacrifice for, sin, for our sins, that shall avail for all time, sat down. At the right hand of God. One scripture. Is most quoted. Look at Apostle John. He also quoted it. First John 2 1. My little children I write to you these things. So that you may not violate God's law and sin. But if anyone should sin we have an advocate. One who will intercede for us with the Father. Praise God. Jesus Christ, the all-righteous, upright just, who conforms the Father's will in every purpose, thought, and action. Praise God. So he's the one that is seated as an advocate. I was actually quoting Psalm 110 verse 1. The second scripture is Isaiah 53. The second scripture that is commonly quoted regarding our faith 
and healing and wealth. Thank you, Jesus. Isaiah 53. Now, Isaiah 53 is one, one scripture that has created a lot of problems for a lot of people, especially the Jews. At a point, actually in the synagogue, they stopped reading Isaiah 53. Until today, yes, they, they have stopped. So in the synagogue, what they do now is that they read Isaiah 52 to the middle and then they jump the next Sabbath, they read Isaiah 54. Okay, so why? Because Isaiah 53 gives us a clear, vivid revelation of what the Christ was to come and do. How he will be rejected by his people, suffer, die in agony, and that God will see his suffering and death as an atonement for the sins of humanity. Okay, and Isaiah lived and prophesied about this around 700 BCE. Yeah. And according to his prophecy, Israel will reject him. Okay, and so it has been. And that's why Paul would keep praying that he wished he could exchange his salvation for Israel. There are some that have even actually tried to argue against the servant, that the servant is not Christ. But if you read from Isaiah chapter 42, 49, 50, it is clear it is talking about the Messiah. There is no ambiguity. And he's talking about he Christ who is going to be the servant to suffer. Yet he will be highly exalted like Paul spoke to. That because he became a servant, a born servant, he was highly lifted. Praise God. All right. So Isaiah 53, who has believed our report? This is describing the lack of faith among the people of Israel who don't believe what they heard. Clear? Okay. Now I'm reading from the Tree of Life version. To whom is the arm of Adonai revealed? Now, the Tree of Life version gives you a rendition to appreciate the Hebrew language. And like I told you, anytime I'm trying to do research, I make sure that I go into what the descriptive language speaks to. I was telling somebody that one of the major reasons why Christianity has the problem it has is because of the English language. 
Because the English language is a weak language. By propaganda, they have made it high and, and mighty. But it's a very weak language. You know, how did we come to that? The person was telling me that when the girl says, Oh, you are ladon, it means so much. You see, but look at how the English makes it Thanksgiving. But even Thanksgiving in Spanish is gracias. Which actually speaks to gratitude. Is the same way in Greek. Caris. So it's, it has depth. When somebody is saying thank you, it comes with so much. The girl oyiwala don't means oyi anawala. No kagbodon. So they are wishing you life. Okay, so, so, so if you are not careful, you, you, that's why Revelation is watered down in the English Bible and it causes a lot of people to see so much contradiction which are not because they don't understand the original languages. So he says, to whom is the arm of Adonai revealed? The word Adonai is the name of God. That was used normally in the synagogue to represent the name that would not be mentioned, Yahweh. Because the name for them was too holy, you can't mention it. And anybody tries mentioning it, you fall dead. (laughs) So you don't mention the name, so they substituted the name to Adonai, which means my Lord. To whom is the arm of Adonai revealed? The arm of the Lord, if you look at Isaiah 40, says the arm of the Lord will rule for him. In 51, he speaks to the Gentiles putting their home hope in the arm of the Lord. In 52, he, um, uh, he speaks to the arm of the Lord to bring salvation. And then in 53, He speaks to the arm of the Lord, in fact, the Messiah. Praise God. All right. So, it's clear that the Messiah is God himself. (laughs) For he grew up before him like a tender shoot. Like a root out of the dry ground. He was a shoot in spirituality. Dry ground. Why? For 400 years, there was no prophecy. God was not speaking. So, spiritually, Israel was barren. And all of a sudden, he came like a tender shoot. 
He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, nor beauty that we should desire him. He was not appealing to us. We didn't want him. His appearance wasn't particularly glorious or impressive. And the way he showed up didn't cause people to desire him. According actually to the rabbis, this was opposite. They were teaching about the grandeur, the prestigious family from which he will be born. That's how they missed him. Because, and that's what all of you, most of you believe, God appears in the spectacular. In the dramatic. That's why when I lay my hands on you. And don't shout. I have to pour a drink. And see you see yourself swimming in it. You know. I tell you go and buy pure water. And then put the pure water on the wall. And stand there like this. Don't move. Ask my wife. Somebody told us that. Yeah. And so, and they've been doing it every morning. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief, one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we did not esteem him. The life of the Messiah was characterized by pain, rejection, and suffering. He didn't get the honor due to the Messiah. He was despised and rejected by the leaders of his people. As much of fact, he was considered as a social misfit. Someone we might hide our faces from. When we pass on the street, we are embarrassed to see him. So we didn't think he was the Messiah. Never registered it could be him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our pains. Yet, we esteemed him stricken, struck by God and afflicted. He suffered in our place. He carried our sickness, our suffering, our pain, and the sins we committed. As a matter of fact, you see, while we thought he was being punished, and that he was suffering God's punishment for sins that he himself had committed. We, don't, we didn't understand. It was our sin. You see how they were reporting it. In the four gospels, they were reporting it. You are the one who says you are the king of the Jews. Come down and save yourself. In their minds, it was his own sin he was paying for. He blasphemed. He says it was God that is not Pay for it. They put a crown of thorns on his head. Said, now you are the king, man. 
because we didn't understand. But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities. The chastisement of our shalom was upon him. Our peace. By his stripes, we are healed. As a, as a matter of fact, the Hebrew says, wounded, pierced, he died. It's like someone who has fallen wounded, someone perforated with bullets, yet not for any fault of his own. It was our wrongdoing. He was crushed. And the word crushed there is used like when they are actually preparing wine. In the wine press, they crush the grapes. For the wine to come out, the juice to come out, he was crushed. The punishment and discipline we deserved went to him. The stripes are hard blows that leave marks. And by his cast, we are healed. That's how exactly after a thousand more years, it was fulfilled. On the cross. We are like sheep have gone astray. Each of us turned to his own way. So Adonai has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In the Hebrew, it talks about we going astray like sheep wandering off and are lost. Reference to the people of Israel. They ignored him, went their own way. But despite this, God put all our sin and iniquity on him. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter. Like a sheep before the, its shearers is silent. So did he not open his mouth. Exploited. Abused. His dignity and right to a fair trial was taken from him. He was afflicted, tortured. He didn't open his mouth. In other words, he did not resist his unjust sentence. He didn't try to rebel or escape. He didn't take a legal representation. Take a lawyer and say, what are you doing to me? It's not fair. It was not just a prison sentence. It was a death sentence. Death! But he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. To be shared without resisting the injustices being done to him. Because of oppression and judgment, he was taken away. As for his generation, who considered? 
for he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people. The, the stroke was theirs. So they arrested him, took his trial. As a result of the trial, he was cut off from the land of the living. A death sentence. Not for his own crimes, but those of his people. Like the scripture said, my own people. Anytime he says that, he's talking about Israel. The Mezah would die, not for his own sin, but for the sin of his people. The people who should be taking the punishment for their own sins. The Mezah took it upon himself. He's the one who died. His generation didn't care. They still don't even care. Even to bring up a conversation. As a matter of fact, you don't mention his name in their books, in their synagogue, around them. You don't mention his name. And that's why they are forbidding you to mention his name in the workplace. In your family. That's why they are not anti-Buddhist. Anti-Shintoism. They don't care. When you mention any other name. But mention that name. As a matter of fact. For the last 2000 years. Yeshua the Messiah. Has been the best kept secret in Judaism. Yes. This is precisely why he was labeled, what? Yeshu in Judaism. Which stands for, may his name and memory be blotted out. That's why we will exalt his name. In the land of the living. Praise God. His grave was given with the wicked. And by a rich man in his death, though he had no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. So even though he was taken out to be executed like a criminal, even though he did nothing wrong, never lied, in his death, he was to be buried in a fancy tomb of a rich man. Yeshua was killed on the cross, was buried in the grave. And you know him, Joseph of Arimathea, a clear symbol of the ironic situation in which the Messiah receives honor for the noblest deed of them all, taking the death sentence we deserve on himself. Yet it pleased Adonai to bruise him. He caused him to suffer. If he makes his soul a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. And the will of Adonai will succeed by his hand. So who killed him? The Jews. Paul said it in 1 Corinthians. The rulers of this age. Hey, are you here with me? Yes. Not the ordinary Jews, the priests. Yet God was pleased to bruise him. Why? 
is the only one able to forgive and bring salvation to the world. So he turned himself into a sacrifice. What kind of sacrifice? Guilt offering. It was no accident. His death was pre-planned. God will use his own stiff, naked people as priests in order to bring about the forgiveness of sins, not only for his people Israel, but for humanity. Yet, what they call the Yom Kippur, which is a festival of atonement that only covered over sin by Christ once for all sin was catered for. Once for all. This is where you feature. He will see his offspring. He will prolong his days. In spite of the fact that he will be killed, he would also prolong his days. In other words, he will rise again from the dead. The fruit of his seed planted in his resurrection. Oh, praise God. As a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied by his knowledge. The righteous one, my servant, will make many righteous and he will bear all their iniquities. So the Messiah would see and be satisfied by his labor because many will be made righteous by the suffering he endured as a righteous man. When he took on himself the sins and iniquities of many, all who recognize him as the Messiah will be his seed in a spiritual sense. Praise God. Therefore, I will give him a portion with the great. He will divide the spoil with the mighty because he poured out his soul to death and was counted with transgressors. For he bore the sin of many and interceded for the transgressors. He is our advocate before the holy God. He took on his shoulders the sins of all who believe in him. This is our hope. This is our future. Praise God. So Isaiah 53 actually speaks in detail to the very work of redemption. Praise God. And we're going to see very, very, very interesting stuff. Now, one thing that is clear is, write it down. You will see, he shall fall. He shall fall. Yes. It's not good English. But write it down. He shall fall. If you read through Isaiah, you will see it coming consistently. 
It means something will be done to this person for other people. It's talking about divine exchange. Now, anytime you see four things, for things, sorry, not for things, for things, and for us, are two different things. For things and for us, they are two different things. Sometimes you see it written, dead in sin. He died for us. He died for our sins. They are two different things. Dead in sin, your state. Then, before, died for your sins. Talks about the exchange. Claire, died for your sins. He was in your place. Okay, so those it in for with when you see them, they are not the same things. Some is talking about your status, others is talking about the exchange. Others is talking about what he did in the spirit. Others is also talking about its reflection in the body. So, (laughs) we'll speak to them. So relax. Look at Jesus quoting Isaiah 53 verse 4 in Matthew 8, 16 to 17. When evening came, they brought him to many. They brought to him many who were under the power of demons. He drove them, he drove drove out the spirits with a word and restored to health all who were sick. And thus he fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took, he himself took in order to carry away our weaknesses and infirmities. To bore away our diseases. Praise God. Look at Isaiah 53.4. Surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses. Carried our sorrows and pains or punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God. As if with leprosy. (laughs) Philip. Acts 8.30. According to Philip, you know that story. Ethiopian eunuch. Yeah. Running up to him. 
heard the man reading the prophet Isaiah and asked, do you really understand what you are reading? And he said, how is it possible for me to do so unless someone explains it to me and guides me in the right way? And he earnestly requested Philip to come up and sit beside him. Now, this was a passage of scripture which he was reading. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the sharer is dumb, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, he was taken away by distressing and oppressive judgment. Justice was denied him, caused to cease. What can describe or relate in full in the weakness of his contemporaries' generation? For his life is taken from the earth and a bloody death inflicted upon him. And the Enoch said to Philip, I beg of you, tell me about whom does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth, beginning with this portion of scripture. He announced to him the glad tidings of Jesus and about him. Praise God. Look at Paul in Romans 5, 19 to 20. For just as by one man's disobedience failing to hear heedlessness and carelessness, the many were constituted sinners. So by one man's obedience, many will be constituted righteous, made acceptable to God, brought into the right standing with him. But then law came in only to expand and increase and trespass, the trespass, sorry, making it more apparent and exciting um, opposition. But where sin increased and abounded, grace, God's unmerited favor has surpassed it and increased the more and superabounded. Paul was quoting Isaiah 53 verse 11. He shall see the fruit of the travail of his soul and will be satisfied by his knowledge of himself, which he possesses and imparts to others. Shall my uncompromisingly righteous one, my servant, justify many and make many righteous? Can you see that? <laughs> Upright and in right standing with God, for he shall bear their iniquities and their guilt with the consequences, say the Lord. Look at Romans 10, 16. That is Isaiah 53, 1 there. But they have not all heeded the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed? In other words, had faith in what he has said from us. Can you see? Who has believed, trusted in, relied on, Clung to, kek. did you see that? Trusted in, clung to, relied upon. Our message of that which was revealed to us and to whom has the arm of the Lord been disclosed? Clear. Second Corinthians 5, 18 and 21. He's quoting Isaiah 53 verse 6. But all things are from God who through Jesus Christ reconciled us to himself 
received us into favor, brought us into harmony with himself, and gave to us the ministry of reconciliation. That by word and deed, we might aim to bring others into harmony with him. 21. For our sake, he made Christ virtually to be seen. Who knew no sin? So that in and through him, we might become endued with, viewed as being in the examples of the righteousness of God. What we ought to be approved and acceptable in right relationship with him. By his goodness. Hello. Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone his own way. And the Lord has made to light upon him the guilt and iniquity of us all. Praise God. Look at 1 Peter 2, 24. Speaking to Isaiah 53, 5-6. He personally bore our sins in his own body on the tree. As on an altar and offered himself that he might die, cease to exist, to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, we have been healed. Isaiah 53 verse 5 to 6. But he was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our guilt and iniquities. Chastisement of us, our, our peace, needful to obtain, was upon him. Hello? Yeah. Is that very clear? By his stripes, you are healed. In him we are made whole. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned each one from his own way. The Lord made a light upon him, the guilt and iniquity of us all. First Peter 4 1. So since Christ has suffered in the flesh for us, for you arm yourselves with the same thought, purpose, patiently to suffer rather to fail than to fail to please God. For whoever has suffered in the flesh, having the mind of Christ, is done with intentional sin. And has stopped pleasing himself and the world and pleases God. Praise God. Christ stood in our place. Is that clear? First John 4 10. In this is love. Not that we loved God. <laughs> Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be propitiation, atoning sacrifice for our sins. Praise God. So, you can see Isaiah 53 and Psalm 110 verse 1 literally all through. As a matter of fact, like I said, when you see for sin, for us, he's referencing Isaiah 53. It was in that prophecy that the divine exchange was made very clear. God said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Eh? Till I make your enemies what? Footstool. Clear? Yes. Can you see that in Isaiah 53, it was Adonai. Yes? Speaking to Claire. Are you getting the point? Yes. And was talking about the exchange of 
what he was doing for humanity. That man can never do by himself. Praise God. Like I said, that the apostles quoted this so much that they translated in putting together the Bible, extracted the series of prophecies and put Isaiah 53 together. Praise God. Is that very clear? All right. Now, if you can understand these verses, um, then you can really get the seed of it. True or false? And we're going to go into it. That's why if you see Jesus using saliva and soil to heal somebody, you don't say, because Jesus used saliva and soil, I'm going to do say. Because you must understand why Jesus did so. It is not explained in the Gospels. But it has its vivid explanation in the letters. Are you here with me? You see, that's why you don't pick scriptures from the old and apply them with their symbols because they are foretelling something. That's why you don't pick scriptures from the four gospels and apply them without having light in the epistles. You are going to be in error. Like I said, you see people doing saliva ministry. Because Jesus, once upon a time, used saliva. Praise God. Scriptures like Psalm 91 verse 1. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Did you see the apostles using? Did you see the apostles quoting? Because it is not in reference with what you think it is. There's some secret place. You see, and and, and the moment you start doing that, you start creating, that's what brings occultism. I do worship. Because you must understand what it is. I'm abiding in the secret place.
So you, why didn't you hear them quoting some of these scriptures? I am young. And now I'm old. I have not seen the righteous forsaken. Nor his seed begging for bread. Okay. Your love doesn't change the truth. Why, why didn't you see? That? It's a very beautiful scripture. Don't you see it? Full of good emotions. Okay. So now let's look at it. Jesus borrowed a donkey. I've been young. Now I'm old. I've not seen the righteous forsaken. Jesus was forsaken. <laughs> you see, so so listen to me very carefully. We 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 joke. We play games. So so when you are as a believer and you are in lack regarding some material things. Look at the way you see yourself. Hey, are you here with me? You see yourself as a failure because of that scripture. I've been young. Now I'm old. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. No, you see it. Begging for bread. I shall not beg for bread. I shall not beg for bread. There becomes a prayer topic. I shall not beg for bread. Exodus 23, 25, 26. You shall serve the Lord your God. He shall bless your bread and water. And I will take sickness from your midst. None shall lose their young by miscarriage. Or be barren in the land. I will fulfill the number of their days. Kadoske des Jesus. I take my portion. Hello? Ah, are you here? Now, just this one. You shall serve the Lord your God. Can you fulfill this one? When you fulfill this one, then he will do. That's what he said. That's what you are saying. I didn't say it. The moment you quote the scripture, then we are saying, are we not saying that? Hey, are you here with me? In your fulfillment, then he will do this. The people that did the translations were people who understood its message. And so, they were very careful. And so, they have seen actually what was much quoted by what? The apostles. And they know exactly what the message carries. See, the message carry. Some of you, 
you've been reading Dick's Bible. Dick's Bible. How many of you read Dick's Bible? Eh? D. Dick's Bible. You love it. How many of you read it? Ah. No, then you are the one who don't know it. It's very popular. No, it is very, very popular. Because, for example, you and you, you, are, you, you didn't understand mainstream Christianity. May anybody in mainstream Christianity has read the Bible. As in, who has been into church? Yes, you find it. And he explains to you what they call the gap theory. Actually, it was the... Yeah. It is, it is the gap theory. I mean, I studied it. Yes. Both in my undergrads and my master's. It was major. Because it gives you the revelation of God that God first created and there was a problem. And, and God said, now let's create man in our own image and likeness. So it means the first one God created. <laughs> okay. So, so you see, the point is simple. We'll be very rebellious if we do not allow the epistles to explain the Holy Scriptures. Simple. Simple. For example, you see Genesis 2.4. This is the history of the heavens and of the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. In the day. So you say, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Then God was tired. You are preaching to somebody. They, are, they, are not, they have not lost their senses. You are telling them a God that you say is perfect. Omnipotent gets tired and rests. You are saying that God created and made a mistake. He said, scratch it. He said, she, the devil has taken me by surprise. So you see, we're going to look into the day. We're going to go into all of these and arrive at how we can apply in our faith healing and material wealth.
if you are not careful, you will frustrate your own self in the faith. And I can tell you, many Christians are frustrated in their faith. And that's why they get to a point and ask, this thing, is it true? Is it real? For lack of knowledge, my people perish. We'll continue next week. You are blessed. Grace, glorious grace. Grace, glorious grace. At the cross, you called it finished. Thank you for listening to Grace Bills by Reverend Josh Lai, Lead Pastor, Caris Center International. We believe the word has begun a good work in you. May God's amazing grace lead you to a peaceful and joy-filled life. Caris Center International, living heaven on earth.